fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody and welcome to Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. This is part one of Metallicast Black Summer. Last year I did in Summer for All weekly track-by-track breakdown of the Injustice for All album. This year I'm doing more or less the same, but this time I'll be talking about the infamous Black album. I'm going to be doing all 12 tracks over 10 weeks, a new episode every Friday, i got a lot of great guests lined up to help me talk about this behemoth of an album. But for part one, I'm flying solo for the first time in a while. And since we are going chronologically, part one is all about track one. A little known Metallica song that some of you diehards may have heard once or twice before. A song called Inter Sandman. Over the following 10 weeks, I do not want to just break down the specific songs that make up the Black Album, but I want to discuss and analyze the historical impact of the album in general. So much has been said about the Black Album, but... I feel like so much more needs to be said still because it is such an important release. When you're talking about the biggest albums of all time, you're going to have a conversation about a handful. Back in Black, Thriller, Nevermind. And the Black album is one of the handful in the discussion. It was released on August 12th, 1991. It debuted at number one in 10 countries and spent four consecutive weeks at the top of the Billboard 200. This was the first Metallica album to top the album charts. 1991, you have to think, this is Michael Jackson, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, right? This is the beginning of the grunge era. This is the... You have massive pop acts like Michael Jackson and Madonna at the top of their game. Metallica tops the charts. Ten countries. Four consecutive weeks at the top of the Billboard 200. By September 2018, the album has spent 500 weeks on the Billboard album chart. Making it one of the four longest running albums of all time. Metallica is one of the best selling albums worldwide. And also one of the best-selling albums in the United States since Nielsen's sound scan, Track and Begin. The album was certified 16 times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America in 2012 and has sold over 16 million copies in the United States, being the first album of the sound scan era to do so. This album is still, to this day, in the Billboard 200. Every week, as I work my way through this track-by-track breakdown, I'm going to share with you the current chart position of the Black Album. 
On the day that I record this, it is number 190, which is down from its position last week when it was at 181. This album spent 540 weeks on the charts. When I say this album is a behemoth, massive, enormous, those are the only appropriate words to describe the Black Album. Metallica is one of the most divisive bands, if not the most divisive band, in the history of popular music. Right? Everybody has a different opinion on them. Including Metallica fans. Right? We all have our own favorite album, our own favorite era. But generally when people talk about Metallica, they talk about two parts of their career. Pre-Black Album and post-Black Album. Because you almost had two different bands in a way. A different band in sound and a different band in popularity. The Black Album was such a landmark release in their career. And everybody has their own opinion about this album, of course. You have the Trues who say Metallica sold out. It's too commercial, man. Then you have other people who was introduced to the band. Right? They heard Inter Sandman or Sabbath True or The Unforgiven or Wherever May Roam or Nothing Else Matters. They heard it on the radio. They saw the video on MTV. They went out, bought this album. Then they went back and checked out Injustice for All, Master Puppets, Ride the Lightning, Kill Them All. Then you have others who perhaps only ever bought the Black Album. This was an album that everybody had. It was such a big release. It was part of popular music. It was part of pop culture. I should not say was because it is. Right? It is a part of those things. Because I'm flying solo in this episode, I want to explain briefly where the Black Elm fits for me as a Metallica fan. And as I have people guessed over the next 10 weeks, I look forward to talking to them about where the Black Album fits in with their Metallica love. Is it their favorite album? One of their favorite albums? One of their least favorite albums? You know, there's so much to dissect about the Black Album. But let me talk about where it fits in for me. Master Pulp is my all-time favorite Metallica album. I think that is their crowning artistic achievement. From start to finish, I think that is a perfect album. And if you had never heard Metallica before, you played the song Master of Puppets. And for me, that demonstrates everything the band does so well. But the Black Album has a very special place in my heart. Because it is my introduction to the band. I was one of those people that never heard of Metallica until I saw the Inter Salmon music video on MTV. Keep in mind, I was born in 1985, so I was very young when 
this album came out in 1991. But I have two older brothers, and I talked about this on the very first episode of Metallicast. But I remember seeing the Interstamin music video, and the song stuck in my head. Then, you know, for me, I was so young that I did not check out the first four albums until after I got loaded in sixth grade. So I went black album load and then went back and did the first four. But the black album holds such a special place in my heart. I'd probably rank it as my number two Metallica album. Only for sentimental reasons. Not, do not get me wrong. I love this album. I think the songs are fantastic. The, I mean, the five singles off this album are five of the biggest metal songs of all time. That is amazing when you really wrap your head around that. I love this album. I think it is a great artistic achievement. But I'm not always listening to this album anymore. You know, when I check out Metallica... I'm generally not going to the Black Album. But I think that is because I've heard this album so many times. And I'm saying that in a good way. I have heard this album so many times that it has just become part of me. It is part of who I am as a fan, as a musician, as a person even. You know, we have all heard the singles, especially... So many times between seeing the band live, hearing them on the radio, seeing the videos on MTV, and just our own Metallica listening habits. We have heard the five singles so many freaking times that sometimes, you know, we're not going to Inter Sandman when we listen to Metallica on our own. But I gotta be honest with you, I'm not tired of the singles. I'm not tired of this album. And revisiting this album has been fantastic because it brings me back to when I first discovered Metallica. And it makes me fall in love with this album all over again. And while this album, like anything else Metallica's done, has its haters... I personally think this album was a huge step forward for the band. First of all, the production is flawless. I love how this album sounds. It has a timeless sound. It has a huge sound. I mean, if there was ever an album made to blow the roof off an arena or a stadium, it was this album. And I know, I'm not forgetting about albums like Back in Black. I'm not forgetting about albums like Appetite for Destruction, these great arena rock albums. But nothing has the power of Sabbath True, just as one example. And I do not know if Metallica always gets the credit they deserve for making heavy music into popular music. You know, people talk about grunge and Nirvana being the death of hair metal. And rightfully so. But I 
also think the Black Album needs to be mentioned in that discussion a little bit more. And no matter your thoughts on that, you do not have Megadeth topping the charts. You do not have Pantera topping the charts. You do not have the rise of new metal, for better or for worse, without the Black Album. It was the perfect album at the perfect time. People wanted something heavy. Metallica gave them heavy, baby. Sorry, I had to. (laughs) The Black Album was a statement. It was named Metallica for a reason. How many bands, how many artists have a self-titled album five albums into their career? Unless they want to make a statement. The reason it became known as the Black Album is because of its mostly black cover. Again, wanting to make a statement. Wanting to do something that was different than the norm in heavy metal at the time, especially. And Enter Sandman was the first statement most people heard. It was their first look into this new sound. Gone was a lot of the breakneck tempos that Metallica had become known for. Gone were the 10-minute songs. Gone were the changing time signatures. Gone were the more raw production. You could hear the bass. (laughs) This was tighter. Sounded more powerful. It was sleeker. More produced, but not overly produced. It was, again, the perfect album at the perfect time. And Inter Sandman was the perfect first statement. The Black Album. I mean, it was, I guess it was called Metallica, but I always call it the Black Album. There was no real theme to this one. It was simple black cover, and you had to listen to the music. You wouldn't be distracted by a a drawing on the front. These are the outsiders. These are the guys, for four albums, only 10 stations ever played their music in America. They didn't make a video until almost the end of their fourth album's run. They're a garage band who was supposed to tour for the rest of their life, and that was it. They were a band that was developing, irregardless of their arena status, very organically on press and metal radio. Nobody else gave a rat's ass about Metallica. They were not planned to be the biggest rock band in the world. We had finished the Justice Tour about nine months before and and we really felt that that there was something specific that we wanted to do, which, which was to sit down and try and write Simple songs. Simple songs compared to what? I mean, simple songs compared to where we'd been before. Those were a couple clips from the classic album series. Uh, There's been a number of classic album documentaries released for various bands, various albums. This particular one is all about the Black Album. It came out in 2001. So it is cool that we have a year and a half in the life of Metallica. Because that shows them in the studio, recording, doing their thing in the moment. But this is really cool as well, because it's 10 years later. It's already a classic album at this point. So the band is listening to the master recordings 
reflecting back on the songwriting process, just going through everything and touching upon all the landmark songs, including Inter Sandman. And in a way, it is funny I did in Summer for All last year because Injustice for All and the Black Album are polar opposites in so many ways. And in the clip, you heard Lars Ulrich talking about how Metallica wanted to write simpler songs. And one could argue it's hard to write a more simple song than Inter Sandman. I said before, gone were the breakneck tempos and gone were the different time signatures. You know, Metallica really pushed that element of their music to the absolute maximum on the Injustice for All album. And now our first statement that we hear is Inter Sandman, a song that is basically based around one riff. One riff. Almost unheard of in Metallica history. And this was a riff that was written by Kirk Hammett. Here is another clip from Classic Albums where the band's going to talk about how this riff came to be. All the songs are from day one, we're usually based around a riff. You get a good riff, that's the, that's pretty much the meat of the song, and you're kind of adding things on to it as you go along, and, and the, uh, the riff is the spine of the whole song. The first song that we um, tackled was this great riff that Kirk Hammett uh, had come up with, um, which basically was this thing that became Inner Sandman. It's my riff. Your first riff you ever wrote? Yeah, the first riff I ever wrote. <laughs> good. Uh, That's good. I wrote it at like 3 o'clock in the morning. I was all fired up. And I, I said to myself, I'm going to write a really heavy riff that's heavier than anything. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> and that's, well, and but, that's how it didn't happen. <laughs> and that's not the story. The riff that's on the record and the way it exists today is not really the way he wrote it. He wrote like this riff that was like kind of one thing and then what we call a tail. So it was like one and one and one and one and one and one. Play the original way it was. <laughs> Story. Well, still be living in the East Bay. <laughs> I came up with the idea of changing it around so it would become, you know, three and then the tail. So I repeated the front part. <laughs> it's an amazing lick, and that is exactly the kind of thing that blew the doors wide open. You know, it was great classic rock but it was smart it had like a futurist quality to it it wasn't like anything that you heard on old heavy metal records it wasn't like anything on the radio and the one thing about that riff on the radio it just blew out the speakers it blew out of them you could you know it just announced itself here we are like it or lump it
That last voice you heard in the clip is from David Frick, who is a senior editor at Rolling Stone magazine, longtime Metallica fan. Um, here are a couple follow-up quotes from Mr. Lars Ulrich. This is taken from Metallica in their own words, put, a book put together by Mark Putterford. Uh, I used this a lot in the Summer for All series last summer, so I'm digging back out for Black Summer. Um, this is a quote from September 1991. Lars says, Inter is quite the simplest song we've ever written. If you look at the song closely, there's really only one riff in it. The whole song is built around one riff, which is, I think, an incredible thing to say about Metallica's song. Another quote, I think we pushed all that progressive stuff. We could do two things. We could repeat ourselves or we could do something else. When things become very obvious, we kind of step away from it. And it just became really obvious to us that we'd had enough of this progressive stuff, all those ten riffs in each song stuff. And it's a lot of fun playing simple songs. It really is. Well, like I said, does not get any more simple than one riff. And I think um, that clip really shows what Lars Ulrich brings to the songwriting. You know, people can bash him for this and for that, but... Imagine Inter Sandman coming out and the riff going rather than the way we know it. Or for that matter, can you imagine Inter Sandman coming out with different lyrics? Because the interesting thing about this is it was the first song written for the Black Album and the last one to get Finnish lyrics. So this is a quote from, again, Lars Ulrich, who talks, 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 talks. Um, this is a quote from Uncut Magazine in 2007. He said, Interstamon was the first thing we came up with when we sat down for the songwriting process in July 1990. The 10-minute fucking progressive 12 tempo changes side of Metallica had run its course after Injustice for All. We wanted to streamline and simplify things. We wrote the song in a day or two. All the bits of Inter Sandman are derived from the main riff. But what's interesting is it was the last song James wrote lyrics to. And there's a reason for that because James took the lyrics in a very dark direction. Supposedly he thought the song sounded very commercial. So what better way to ruin any possible commercial success than write a song about crib death? This is not a joke. Uh... I'm getting this from an article on revolvermag.com. Five things you didn't know about Metallica's Inter Sandman. This is their number three of their five things. It says, this was because James Hetfield's original lyrics were about crib death until Ulrich and producer Bob Rock intervened. In the spring of 1991, Hetfield brought the band his lyrics for Inter Sandman, and of all topics, it was about crib death, you know. Baby suddenly dies, the Sandman killed it. The Metallica frontman described it in 2007. In its destructive effect on the family unit. Indeed, the line, off to Never Neverland, was originally disrupt the perfect family. Disrupt the perfect family! According to Ulrich. At the time, Metallica abided by the rule that nobody could comment on anybody else's stuff, Rock recalls, but the producer and drummer both had to draw the line here, especially with such a potentially big song on the line. It was very uncomfortable as we'd always prided ourselves in keeping our noses out, telling each other what to play individually, Ulrich said, looking back. But James took it rather well and a couple weeks later came in with new lyrics. Hatfield recalled the conversation going a little less smoothly to Guitar World in 2008. 
I can remember when I wrote the lyrics into Sandman, Bob Rock and Lars came to me and said, these aren't as good as they could be, he said, and that pissed me off so much. I was like, fuck you, I'm the writer here. That was the first challenge from someone else, and it made me work harder. Inspired by the feedback, Heffield reworked the song into something much less literal, and in the end, as a result, more meaningful. I wanted more of the mental thing where this kid gets manipulated by what adults say, he explained. And you know, when you wake up with that shit in your eye, that's supposedly been put in there by the Sandman to make you dream. So the guy in the song tells his little kid that, and he kind of freaks. He can't sleep after that, and it works the opposite way. Instead of a soothing thing, the table's turned. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode one of Magic Man, the Heart Podcast. I'm your host and fellow Heart fan. My name is Brandon. No, wait a minute. Sorry, this is Metallicast. I got confused there for a moment. Um, You're probably wondering why Magic Man by Heart is playing. Um, Well, you know, there is a perfectly good explanation for that. There is a part of Magic Man that gave Kirk Hammett inspiration for part of the guitar solo in Inter Sandman. But perhaps the most unexpected part of the story is that he actually got the idea from the Magic Man sample that Ice-T used in his song, Personal. So I'm going to play you three things. First, I'm going to play you the part of Magic Man that Ice-T samples. Then second, I'm going to play you the Ice-T sample that inspired Kirk Hammett. And then third of all, I'm going to play part of the guitar solo in Inter Sandman, and you can decide if you can hear the inspiration. Respect now that is infected with dollar signs I collected. Jealous punks, I said it. Take it personal, personal, personal. So we are ready to wrap up part one. Of Metallica's Black Summer, but before we do, I first want to share some tweets I got from listeners about Inter Sandman. I asked for opinions about the song. This first one is from at R Cevetto, R C E V E T T O, my buddy Ralph. He says the song's built around brilliant Kirk Hammett riff that was somewhat refined by Lars. It definitely launched the band into superstardom, and they never really looked back. I remember waiting for the premiere on MTV two weeks before the album release and being absolutely blown away. The song has now turned into a concert closer for every show in the current tour, and has been in almost every set list since its release. Unfortunately for me, the song has lost some of its appeal by virtue of being played to death on MTV and rock radio for years. However, it is obviously the most important song of of their career, regardless of my current opinion. And just for the record, to date, according to Metallica.com, Inter Salmon has been performed 1,332 times. 
I'm going to guess it has been performed more than any other Metallica song, but I could be wrong. So somebody out there, prove me wrong. A few other tweets I got. This one from Joe at Metal Fan in Black. Simply writes, it's a classic. It surely is. At Gary McGorm, M-C-G-O-R-M, writes, an extremely important but now overplayed track. And then for my new buddies, the Deep Purple Podcast, at Deep Purple Pod on Twitter. Make sure you are checking out their show on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. They write, huge deal. I remember how strange it was hearing Metallica regularly on the radio. It was like the whole world was now exposed to my private little club. Huge moment for the band and the genre. I think that is perfectly said. And going back to the controversy around this album, I think that is really, for those fans who have a problem with the Black Album, I think that's what it comes down to. They got mad that their favorite band, the little band that could, if you will, was now being shared by everybody including non-metalheads. If you want to contribute to a future episode of Metallicast, especially over the next several weeks when I'm doing Black Summer, please email the show, metallicast at fansnotexperts.com or better yet, leave a voice message at the Metallicast hotline 203-548-0609. And of course, you can reach me on social media. I am at Metallicast Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So if you're not following me on those, please do so. Of course, download, subscribe, leave a positive review for Metallicast on Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get this. We, of course, are available on fansnotexperts.com, our home site. And if you're a fan of drunken rambling, obscene humor and black metal you should check out a new podcast i'm doing with my buddy greg called the corpse paint podcast it is finally available on apple Podcasts in google and of course fansnotexperts.com as well as always i'm going to leave you with a cover i gotta do a cover of inter salmon this one by an artist named shell s-h-e-l all caps I'd never heard of this artist before, but they must have a pretty strong following. The this is they have an official music video for an Inter Sandman cover that has uh, well over one million views. I really enjoyed this cover um, because it takes the song and it rearranges it. Shell makes it her own. So here it is. Until next Friday for part two of Metallica's Black Summer. Metal up your ass. Yeah! Say your prayers, little one. Don't forget my son. To include everyone. Tuck you in, warm within. Keep you free from sin. Till the Sandman comes. Sleep with one eye open. Gripping your pillow tight.